0: Self-development with tactics. So. And welcome back to another episode of the Self to World More Tactics podcast. Today uh, we're going to go through Seneca on the Shortness of Life once again. And this time I've actually, well, I do actually remember where I've stopped, at least to to a pretty high accuracy, I'd say. Anyway, in a word, do you want to know how briefly the they really live. See how keen they are to live a long life, an feeble old man begging their prayers for an additional few years. They pretend they are younger than they really are. They flatter themselves by this falsehood and deceive themselves as gladly as if they received fate at the same time. But when some real illnesses at last reminded them that they are mortal, how terrified they are when they die, as if they are not le- Living life, but are being dragged from it. They carry out repeatedly that they have been fools because they have not really lived, and that they li- that they live in leisure, if only they escape their illness. Then they reflect on how useless they made previous provision. Sorry for things they wouldn't live to enjoy, and how fruitless. Was all that oil. but why should life not be ample for people who spend it far removed from all business? None of it is made over, the, over to another, non-scattered in this direction or that. None of it is entrusted to fortune, none wasted through neglect. None is lost through being given away freely. None is superfluous. The whole, the whole is lost through being. Oh, I'm sorry, the whole of life yields a return, so to speak, And so, however short, it is amply sufficient. And for that reason, whenever his last day comes, the sage will not hesitate to go to his death with a sure step. You perhaps want to know who I'd turn, whom I'd term the preoccupied. Don't imagine that I mean only those lawyers who are driven out of the law, court only when their watchdogs are finally let in for the night. Or those patrons you see crushed either with impressive display in their own crowd of admirers or more contemptuously in someone else's crowd. Or those clients whose duties summon them from their own houses in order to dash them against the doors of others. Or those that Praetor's spear keeps busy for this reputable gain which is somebody I'm sorry, is someday bound to fester. Even the leisure of some people is preoccupied in their country retreat or in their couch, in the midst of their solitude, and even though they have withdrawn from everyone, they are troubling company for themselves. Their ex- their existence is to be de- is to be termed not leisurely, but one of idle preoccupation. Do you call a man at leisure who arranges with meticulous attention to detail his corinthian bronzes which are made so expensive by the collection what by the collecting mania of a few and who spends most of the day on rustish stripes of copper or a man who sits at a wrestling ring For shame on us, we suffer from vices that are not even Roman, enthusiastically watching boys brawling, who separates the troops of his own well-oiled wrestlers into pairs of the same age and skin color, who maintains a stable of the freshest athletes. Tell me, do you call those people leisured, who'd spend many hours at the barbers, while any overnight growth is trimmed away? Solemn consultation is taken over each separate hair, and this... I guess? Locks are rearranged or thinning hair is combed forward from both sides to cover the forehead. How angry they get if the barber has been a little too careless, as if he were cutting a real man's hair, (laughs) if a hair lies out of place, or if everything doesn't fall back in its proper ringlets. Which of those people wouldn't rather have their country thrown into this disarray, I guess, their hair. He's actually kind of firing at them quite a bit, isn't he? Who isn't more concerned about keeping his head neat rather than safe? Who wouldn't rather be well-groomed than well-respected? You call leisure these people who are kept busy between the kumbh and the mirror. What about those who are absorbed in composing, listening to and learning songs? Their voice, whose best and simplest flow is naturally straightforward, they twist into sinners' turns of the most feeble crooning. Their fingers are always snapping in time to see to some song that that they carry in their head, and when they have been asked to attend to serious and often even sorrowful matters, you can overhear them quietly humming a tone. Theirs isn't leisure, but idle occupation, and heaven knows. I'd not class the banquets among leisurely pastimes, because I see how anxiously they arrange their silver plate, how carefully they get up the tunings of their pretty boys at table, how they're on tender hooks to see how the the board turns out from the cook, How quickly the sooth-skinned slaves hurry to discharge their duties at the given signal, how skillfully birds are carved into carefully shaped portions, and how attentively. Wretched little slave boys wipe away the spittle of drunks. By these means they seek a reputation for refinement and sumptuous living, and their evils follow them into every corner of their lives to such an extent that they cannot eat or drink without ostentation. No would I count among the leisure those who have themselves carried around in a seen car a seen jam, sorry, and litter, and who arrive preciously on time for their rights as if they were forbidden to, to to skip them, and who have to be reminded of their scheduled time for bathing, for swimming, or for dining. They are so enerv- enervated by the excessive sloth of pampered mind that they can't tell by themselves if they are hungry. I hear that one of these pampered creatures, if pampered is the right word for unlearning life and normal human practice, was manually lifted out of the bath and sat down in his sitting chair and asked, am I now seated? Do you think that some someone like this who doesn't know if he is sitting knows whether he's alive, whether he can see, whether he is at leisure? It is hard for me to say whether I pity him more if he really didn't, know as much of, uh, really didn't know as much or if he pretended not to know. They are obviously too many things or obvious too many things, but they are also affected forgetfulness of much. They find certain vices pleasing as evidence of their prosperity. To know what you're doing seems to be the mark of a man who is lowly and contemptly or contemptible, I'm sorry, what fully to think that mime, mime, with an M, not mine, with an N, but mime, actors feign many details in order to attack luxury. Truth, to be told, they pass over more than they fabricate in such a wealth of unbelievable vices has arisen in an age that has applied its fertile talents in this one direction that by now we can charge the mime actors with ignoring them. To imagine that there is anyone so ruined by pampering that he's taken at his word as to whether he's seated. So here is not a person of leisure, you should apply a different term to him. He is sick, or rather as good as dead. The truly leisure person is one who is also conscious of his own leisure, but a person who needs a guide to make him aware of his own bodily positions is only half alive. How can be how can he be in control of any of his time? This is actually a pretty good point, like, uh, I'm just trying to kind of translate it into modern day life, but I think that, I think that it also speaks to certain people who are so stressed living their life, doing whatever the fuck they're doing, that, um, that yeah, that they forget about quite everything, that they forget about indeed living their life and just how they spend their time and what they actually do in a day. You know, which might be kind of an, um, kind of a thought in terms of well, if you're working too much, maybe you have to kind of lower that a bit. You know, maybe uh, you should live life a bit more. Maybe you should be kind of balancing things out a bit more and doing things just a bit differently. I'd say, um, as difficult as it may be for some people, you know, especially people that are pretty used to being really really busy maybe and or actually really stressed out as well but yeah I do think that he kind of speaks to balance you know but also kind of to I think people that are too rested you know and not even alive anymore maybe just because they put themselves into the situation by for example being severely severely overweight and not indeed being able to do anything but also thinking long term and um, well, making sure that you're able to do something and you're able to um, live your life the way you want to live it when you're getting older. You know, speaking of illnesses, speaking of smoking and or actually not smoking um, for being able to to yeah actually make that sure. But yeah. It would be a long business to run through the individual cases of people who have spent their whole lives playing checkers or playing ball or baking their bodies in the sun. And People whose pleasures put them to considerable work are not at leisure. For instance, nobody will doubt that those who devote their time to useless literary questions, Rome too now has a significant number of such people, are busily engaged in doing nothing. It was once the well-known feeling of the Greeks to ask how many rowers uh, Ulysses had whether the Iliad or the Odyssey was written first, and also whether they belong to the same author, and other questions of the same stamp. Which, if you keep them to yourself, do nothing to improve your private knowledge. And if you divulge them, you're made to appear not more learned but more annoying. And now, this vacuous enthusiasm for acquiring useless knowledge has infected the romans as well only a few days ago i heard someone twen- someone mentioning sorry which roman general had been the first to do what duilius was the first to win a battle at sea curius dentarus the first to parade elephants in a triumph so far even if such items as these highly steer us toward true glory they still evolve models of service to the state such knowledge isn't going to profit us but it's nevertheless of the sorts to hold our interest because its subject matter though empty is appealing we may also excuse investigators who ask who first persuaded the romans to deploy a naval force it was claudius who was called codex for this reason because the Asians termed the composite structure of several planks or planks a codex. Hence, the public reorders are called codices, and the barges, which carry provisions up the Tiber, which is a river, as far as I know, are still called codiacaria in accordance with Asian practice. Doubtless also, this may have some relevance, the fact that... Valerius Corvinus was the first to conquer Messana and was the first of the family of the Valeri to be called Messana after appropriating the name of the captured city common usage gradually exchanged the letter I'm sorry changed the name of the captured city common usage gradually changed the letter ring so he became Messala but will really you also allow interest in the fact that El Sulla was the first to display lions of the liege in the circus, though as a general rule they were shown in chains, and that javelin throwers were supplied by King Bocus to dispatch them? Alright, let's allow that as well. But is any useful purpose really served by knowing that Pompey was the first to put on a fight in against them in mock battle? A leader of the state and a man of outstanding kindliness, as his reputation has it. Among leaders of old, he thought it's a memorable form of spectacle to destroy human beings in unheard of fashion. They fight to the death, that is not enough. They are torn to pieces, not enough. Let them be utterly crushed by animals of massive bulk. It would certainly be preferable for such stuff to be forgotten, for fear that some future strongman might learn of it and be envious of an utterly inhuman episode. What darkness great prosperity casts on our minds. He thought he was above the laws of nature when he was throwing so many hordes of human wretches to beasts born under a different sky when he was arranging war between such disparate creatures when he was shedding so much blood before the eyes of the Roman people. People he'd later forced to shed still more blood themselves, but this man was later taken in by Alexandrian treasury and offered himself to be run through by the meanest of his chattels. Then, at last, he recognized the empty post that was his own surname. But to return to the point from which it is agreed, and to demonstrate the fertility of the pains that some people take in these same matters, the same source reported that Mattelius, in his triumph after conquering the Carthaginians in Sicily, was alone of all Romans in having 120 captured elephants led in procession before his chariot, and that Sulla was the last Roman to extend the for Marium, which is, was the custom of an old of old to extend after the acquisition of Italy, or Italian, but never provincial territory. Is there any more benefit in knowing this than to know that that the Aventine hill is outside the Pomperium, or Pomerium, I'm sorry, according to him, for one of two reasons. Either because that was the rallying point for the Plebeians in secession from Rome, or because the birds had not been uh, propitious when Remus took the auspices there, and to know countless other items besides that are either cramped with lies or improbable. For even if you grant that people say all these things in good faith, and even if they guarantee the truthfulness of their writing, those mistakes will such uh, will such items of information make fewer. Those passions will they hold enough? Will they hold in check? Whom will they make braver or more just or more generous of spirit? My friend Fabianus used to say that he sometimes wondered whether it was better to apply oneself to no researches at all than to be embroiled in these. Make things... Well, actually do things that make sense. Make things that do sense. Yeah. No, do things that make sense, focus on things that gets you closer to the goal that you're having and do not do those things that are doing the opposite because it wouldn't make too much sense even though it might not be that easy even though some other people might not really accept it for example, something that popped into my mind eating a certain way because having a goal of just looking a certain way while neglecting what people say to you, you know, just pretty much unknowledgeable people say, but also um, while having to make sacrifices, while not being kind of the quote-unquote normal kind, while whatsoever. With that being said, I'm going to see you next time. Bye-bye.